Joe Lewis, champion of them all, Bourbon presents The Making of Champions. In honor and respect for the legacy of Joe Lewis, the longest reigning world heavyweight champion who became the first African-American national hero who served in World War II, contributing to the morale of the troops, broke through the color barrier in professional golf, and helped pave the way for future generations of civil rights activists. Each new episode celebrates people who follow his lead in accomplishing extraordinary things to inspire a new generation of champions. It begins now with your hosts, Tanya Cole and Marquise Johns. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Making You Champions. Um, we have a fabulous treat for you today. So our guest um, is one that's not the usual guest on the Making of Champions. Um, but before we introduce her, um, we've got Marquise Johns here. How's it going, Marquise? Pretty good, Tanya. Looking forward to tonight's guest, actually. Uh, it, it's, usually, but it's, it's different when we break format. And normally when we don't have boxers on, it's always, always different. So I'm always look, I'm looking, always looking forward to this. Yeah, so we're looking forward to um, introducing you to Chef Melody Connor to the show. Hey, Chef Mel, how's it going? Hey, guys. How are you? We are, well. we are doing well. So we are so happy to talk to you tonight because you have an amazing story to tell. Now, I'm trying to figure out, like, when did I meet you first? Now, that's a good question. I want to say it would have had to have been at one of my events here at the homestead. I think so. I think so. Probably maybe three years ago, I think. It's been three, yeah, since I first... Um, yeah here yeah because i purchased the house the latter part of 2018 okay and i think i launched my first event that january yeah i saw the homestead it was already finished yeah yeah so tell us and i know i told marquise i was like you know when we get on here to talk to chef mel she's gonna be able to tell us everything without us asking any questions so who is <laughs> yeah so who is chef mel so I am, um, let's see, so many hats that I wear as proprietor of Serenita Homestead, which is um, a 127-year-old farmhouse. It's built in 1898. I purchased this um, as a thing that I was very intentional. I've lived in the city. I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. And I lived in the city long enough to appreciate the country. Mm -hmm. um, I lived in, I've been here in Georgia since 1998. And uh, after deciding that I no longer want to live in Atlanta, come out and get some uh, respite and serenity and henceforth the name Serenita um, because Serenity Homestead was already taken as far as the business name and said that when I bought it intentionally for the purpose of it was not just for me, um, for people to come out and just um, be able to sit and enjoy and rest a spell and have a cup of tea or have a shot of bourbon and smoke cigars. And it was very nostalgic and coming out here has been like amazing. Um, and being away from the city is a nice little getaway. And you think you're out in um, a real rural area, but you're really not. It just seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. So before we talk more about Serenita Homestead, because I, you have so much to tell us about that story in and of itself. Tell us about Detroit. You said that you're a girl from Detroit. Marquise, I think, do you have connection to Detroit? 
I, I do. As as a native West Sider, fill me in on on, on the uh, the, the, uh, uh -huh. the nativeness on your end. Okay. Well, what up, though? If you're from the West Side, telegraph um, now is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I um went to Northwestern High School, so I lived off of West Grand Boulevard. My um, mom and aunt, not to cut you off, graduated from their class of '79 and '79 respectively. Go ahead. <laughs> so I graduated in well, I left there '86. So and then my mom moved us out into Taylor, Michigan, and okay. I graduated there from that high school. So I only I spent my first three years in Northwestern, and then Taylor, Michigan. I graduated from Truman High School in '87. Okay. And from there, left the military. But Detroit, during the time when we were growing up, it was um, they have many of a documentary during that time frame of what was going on mm -hmm. in the in the nineties during and under the reign of Mayor Coleman Young, the, yeah. the biggest gangster ever. Uh, mm -hmm. God rest his soul. Um, Actually, but, second biggest gangster. You, you think he's a bigger gangster than Kwame Kilpatrick? Because I, I have family who who yeah. was up there around when that happened, and uh, oof. <laughs> Mayor Coleman Young was bigger than that. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's <Yes>. impressive. <laughs> um, uh, Kwame was just a millennial version of Coleman Young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but even then, I think being from right, that city was a very resilient city, and mm -hmm. to have gone through like I when I go home now because I left when I left to join the military in '87. Yeah. Um, I only come back once for like 36 hours. I'll drop in just for nostalgia's sake because I miss Fago, I miss Coney Island. You drive by Motown, you see how, how small the building still is, and then you get out. <laughs> yes. I actually live down the street from Hitsville. <laughs> I actually live right down the street from there. And um, just all of that, just in the history. And then to know that I actually was visiting foreign countries prior to even having my passport just going mm. the bridge to go to Canada and whatnot was you, you take those kind of things for granted so mm -hmm. I love my city though I love the resiliency of it I love that beautiful women like such as myself come out of uh, Detroit City I love the fact that we're nobody hustle hustles harder than we do I think you know Detroit versus everybody, versus everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I wear my shirt proudly. Yes. Yeah. Now tell us a little bit about, you mentioned the military. What was that like and, and why did you choose to go into the military? Well, during the time, like I said, in the 80s, and that was uh -huh. during a time, um, crack was very prevalent, especially in the inner cities. And wasn't much going on during that time frame unless you, you know, the asp biggest aspiration was to be a drug dealer's girlfriend, of which... I could not be, um, and I just knew I was a big dreamer. I always knew that there had to be something because I would delve in books. I was a nerd, but that was very, uh, let's say, very aware of the streets, but I was very nerdy at the same time. And I just knew I had to get out. It had to be something bigger or better out there in the world, and joining the military was my way out. And I actually joined with Delayed at the age of 17, because okay. I left home at 17 um, during at the age of 17 and was in the delayed entry program. And I needed to get like an hour or two more in credits because the city of Detroit and the city of Taylor were two different curriculums. So I had to get enrolled back in school and I 
make sure I went to school every day to get that last hour or two. So that way I can um, join the military that following fall. Mm -hmm. What was your job? What did you do? I was set well, during that time. I think it's a different uh, name now, but it's 76 Yankee. And that okay. was supply, unit supply. So I was the person that had things that could get access to things. The person who knew all things that could get all things, huh? I everything. <laughs> you well, gotta so, have. What do you think that that experience did for you coming yeah. from Detroit leaving a little bit early and then heading off into the military at 17. What did that do for you? Made you grow up because now you're responsible. Like I'm the oldest of two other siblings and I did have to, you know, take care of home and house and making sure that they were taken care of. But now I'm on my own and having to figure and na navigate life at a young age and stay out of trouble. Thank God social media was not relevant or prevalent during oh the time that <laughs> yeah just navigating life at a young age but it gave me discipline and and again that you got you come with the resiliency and you're able to pivot and you follow in direction you pay attention you're very attentive and i navigated the military very well i was rebellious because you're you're having someone yelling and kind of micromanaging but at the same time it did give me that sense of purpose and being able to get up and be accountable for something. So, and I carry that work ethic, I think even to present day where I'm very intentional and I, I expect accountability. You know, one of the, uh, my drill sergeant or was one of my uh, sergeants that said that um, it was something that ended up happening and that we were all privy to. And I was the only one that fessed up my position in the whole situation. And he said the only reason why he didn't write me up was because I took accountability. So, yeah, that's a that's a tough thing for young people. Now, I tell you, yeah, I tell you, I tell you. So after you left the military, I know we referred to you as Chef Mel. Did you get right into being a chef right after the military? Or oh. what happened? I know that you have you reinvented yourself many, many, many times. So take Man. us on that walk with you and what happened after the military. Well, during the military, I met my then husband at the time and we did the thing that you thought you were supposed to do when you were that age, young people. We got married. Um, I was um, I had my son prior to. Um, but we ended up getting married when my son was six months old and. Mm -hmm. Then I got out because my husband at the time was special forces. So his unit required for him to be away from home more so than me. So we decided that I would go ahead and get out. So that way we wouldn't always be on assignment, you know, and having to look for daycare and whatnot. So mm -hmm. I ended up being out and being a military wife. And during that time, I've held several jobs. I owned my own nail, nail salon. I owned my own, um, daycare i had my own cleaning business so i've always been entrepreneurial in that fact because mm -hmm. of my skill sets had to or my um income a way of income had to kind of meld around um my husband at the times um being in the military he had to be flexible and adjustable so i always thought went the entrepreneurial route um cooking oh again mm -hmm. i'm of my siblings, my mom being a single mom, my mom could not cook for the life of her to save any of our lives. <laughs> and so I sat many a table 
refusing to eat because it was that gross. But I think I was an extinctional cook. I just knew how things were supposed to taste. And my mom, there's a story of me cooking grits for my baby sister at a time where you could leave kids at home while she ran mm -hmm. to the store to get formula. And my sister was supposed to be napping. She wakes up screaming. So my thought process was to go fix her some cereal. And I got up in a chair on the stove and cooked grits. And my mom came home and saw my sister covered in grits. And she was she was happy. And I had used a whole butter of, if you remember, imperial margarine. Uh -huh. um, yeah, the whole bucket. My mom said she couldn't beat my butt because it, the shrimps, I mean, the um, grits were that good. Right. right. And mm. not everybody can cook grits. You know? No. Oh, not, I, I, not everybody I, can cook grits. I had a ton of butter in there. Or <laughs> butter. <laughs> well, we thought and, it was butter. And did your baby sister eat it all? My sister ate her bowl of grits. She had it in her hair and in her diaper and everything. But yeah, I fed into her and she was happy until my mom got home. And ever since then, I've been cooking. Okay. Um, obligatory cooking and then uh after i got divorced um my kids were grown away at college and i was in school for a doctoral program and you can't be doing a divorce and dissertation stuff at the same time mm -hmm. so i was afforded the opportunity to go to culinary school um through, mm -hmm. during obama um Veterans Assist Retraining Assistance Program. So mm -hmm. I took that, went to Le Cordon Bleu, graduated with honors, and here we are today. So Le Cordon Bleu, mm -hmm. um, you graduated with a 4.0, right? I think a 5.0. That was Whoa. like, hmm. I, I, a Dame de Scoffier scholarship as well. Okay. And uh -huh. explain those to us, like for those of us that don't know, because you know, I was telling Marquise, I can't even pronounce the two. So tell us about yeah. the first and then tell uh -huh. us about the Cordon Bleu. Um, so the scholarship I received, um, we were, I think it was a gap in between um, before they would receive the next, and they were being a private institution before I was received my next um, tuition payment. So I submitted application with, oh no, actually my name was presented by my counselor first to the recipient of that. So I had to write an essay and I wrote that story I just told you. Okay. Okay. Sister. Yeah. And just being food being the greatest goodwill ambassador that it is, is unpretentious. The greatest way to get to know somebody or a culture is to sit down and break bread with them. And they love that story. And I got a phone call one day and it was like, oh, I had the worst day ever that day. And when she called me, I thought she was joking. Told her to get off my phone, mm -hmm. and she was backing up, laughing. I was like, "Are you serious?" And they actually paid for the remainder of my tuition. And La Dama Escoffier, um, Augustus Escoffier, is considered the godfather of all things that are culinary. He set up the whole way the kitchen is set up, as far as the ranking of chefs and the organization of roles in the kitchen. And so there is a female organization that the doms, the, the females or mm -hmm. ladies of Akie, and there, there's a chapter here in Atlanta and um, they ended up giving me, I received a 
a scholarship from them because they my grade point average was way above and beyond as well as the essay that I turned in. And then being at um, the Cordon Bleu, it was there, or I think there's another uh, Atlanta Institute was the, was the other choice. And I don't, I don't know, I think what it was for me, I had an interview with two, but I always wanted to go to Le Cordon Bleu because Julia Child went there. And I used to watch PBS as a kid, watch Me too. Me too. It's, it's, we're going to cook. Yes, I, I don't know <laughs> why I love that woman so much. And I followed her like explicitly because she was just, I don't know. And she was always quirky and just goofy. And, but she made like these fabulous meals and, and she made it look so easy. And when I found out her story later on in life, like she started at 50 years old and just the fact of, you know, her trial, tried and true relations of just as a woman being in the industry and being in the kitchen in the male dominated, dominated industry. And it was just, her story is amazing. So that's why I chose the Cordon Bleu. Gosh. And not only to mention that, I mean, it's yeah. one of the best cooking schools or has been the best cooking school over the last 100 years. Exactly. Back, back. And um, I go to Paris whenever I'm in Paris. I can attend advanced courses there by being an alum there. Of course, they're all in French. And when are you scheduling that trip? Soon, right? Oh, huh? Back up, yes. And the scholarship, what's the mission of the group? I understand it, that it has something to do with. Um, not only attending classes, but um, leadership in the industry. Yes, women that have exude, I think, in just the hospitality industry, period, um, from bartending to agriculture to those who are just moving forward in the uh, hospitality and culinary industry and being on the forefront. Um, one that I know offhand, Delia's, if you ever been to Delia's Chicken? Yeah, she's a yeah, she's an actual member of. So that's my goal and dream is to be initiated in the into the chapter of La Dames, the Scoffier. Um, Deborah Von Trees, if you're familiar with her, she's a La Yeah, you know she just um, I opened another restaurant recently. Yes, I see. She's on the roll, she, and it's she a is. couple of like you know I'm familiar with her. I'm. There's another chef and her name is Chef Torrance or Chef T. And she and I actually went to culinary school together and she's on several um, Food Network shows. So it's just amazing just watching people's journeys and, and whatnot. And sometimes I kick myself in the butt because I took a hiatus from the industry once mm -hmm. I graduated. And now that I'm back in, I'm like, dang, I could be so much further right now, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. We're going to hear more from chef, creator, and experienced curator, Chef Melody Connor, in part two. I like that.